With that, I'd like to invite forward our guest speaker, who is a dear friend of mine, great encouragement to my heart, Mr. Jay Harmon. So uh, I'm just very excited to see, see how God ministers to us today through the Word, and uh, I'd like to, as you're kind of adjusting your mic there, I'd like to pray for you. So if you could, if you're comfortable with it, if you're feeling charismatic enough, you can extend your hand out towards Jay. Father God, we pray that you'd anoint Jay as he shares the scriptures with us. Uh, I pray that you give him peace, insight, and just the joy of, of, uh, of sharing from your word. We know that you will do a work in us, God. We pray that you'd a special blessing on Jay and, uh, and on our ears, that we would have ears to hear what you are saying to us, that we would have hearts that are soft to follow after you. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, I, d I just want to start out kind of two very quick thoughts. Um, one's just something that, that Nathan just referenced, because I can tell you from personal experience, I'm a, a runner. Uh, I haven't run in a while, but I don't think that disqualifies me yet. Um, who, uh, uh, right before we came to New Life, actually, I ruptured my right Achilles tendon. Um, so like Nathan said, that one small part of the body unequivocally stops you in your tracks uh, when it is not uh, fully functioning. Uh, and I can, can give you personal testimony to, to that. Um, the second thing is, and again, this doesn't have anything to do with the, the message necessarily, but just to, to share, um, some of you know this part of our story and, and some of you maybe don't, but um, we relocated here from, from outside of the area a couple of years ago. We, we spent uh, two and a half years uh, literally back and forth across the Capitol District looking for a church body to be part of. And, and painfully so. Um, and, and I don't say this to, to try and, and, and tear down any other uh, churches in the, in the area, but just to say, I mean, this, even having an opportunity to, to stand here today and, and just share uh, what, I, what I believe God's you know, given me to, to share with all of you is incredibly uh, rare. Right, that, that to realize that, that Nathan and Corey and the elders and, and the amount that we're able to hear all of those voices, um, since we've been here, we've heard Nathan, our, Corey, Ed, Greg, Aaron, we've heard all of them share. And, and just to be, for us as a body, to, to know and to recognize how incredibly valuable and healthy that is. Um, but also that that's not the norm necessarily. And so just in terms of recognizing that, um, Nathan and Corey and, and, and the elders in terms of, of the way in which they're leading this body, um, that, that we reap the benefit of that uh, in just humongous ways that, that maybe you've never really given thought to, but I would encourage you uh, just to, to think uh, on that and, and just to, to be appreciative um, of, of that approach. So it's really funny because on the bulletin this morning, there's a, on the front page of that, right, it says something about God is never late. Uh, he's always right on time, which is kind of funny because we'll, I'll come back to this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push back on that a little bit uh, with, where, with what I feel like God's given me this morning, and, and maybe in a, in a subtle way, a, a nuanced way, but... Um, how many of you have already started seeing, I saw the first one the other day, 
uh, driving up Route 9, I can't even remember where I was going, one of those giant signs, um, the portable ones that Department of Transportation moves in, right? So they're the orange and black ones with the orange font. And so I'm driving up Route 9 the other day because I'm approaching uh, SPAC, and it says, expect delays concert tonight. I'm thinking, oh my gosh. Right? And, and, and you know that that's truth, right? Um, I work in Albany, down, right downtown. We live in Boston Spot. It took me an hour and 40 minutes to get home the other day. Friday night, Northway traffic. Many of you I know experienced that. Expect delays. Right? Um, I, I'm really bad at that. I don't do well with delays. I had a colleague in the car Friday night coming home. It was at, and coming home to small group. So I'm trying to get myself mentally prepared to be at least remotely spiritually minded. <laughs> Stuck in traffic for an hour and 40 minutes. Fortunately, we have a very gracious, gracious small group. So I want to I just ask you this this morning. Just take a minute, and, and, and I want to ask you to think on this. Is there anything in your life right now where you're experiencing delay, where something is not happening on the timeline that you want to see it happen? And I'm, I won't ask you to raise your hand or anything like that, but just think about it. If, if you're a parent... Is there something in the raising of your kids that is not going as quickly as you would like it to? Maybe a grandparent. We'll throw, put you guys in there too. Right. Or something at work. Or, or maybe you've been battling um, some sort of illness or ailment and you've just been crying out. Right, for some sort of healing or deliverance or, or something, and it just seems to be lingering. Right? Maybe you've had glimpses, maybe you've had tastes, but you are, you are absolutely not yet your hands fully on that thing. Are you in that place? Right? Nathan's been talking for weeks, right? this idea of more of the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit pouring out, right? And maybe you're in that place of saying, you know what? God, I want that. But it's not yet quite there. You know that there's more, but it's just something is lingering. Right? It's, it's, the, it's maybe kind of an old-sounding word, but it's one of my favorites. Something is tarrying. Right? Are you in that place? Here's what I want to talk about today. I want, to, I want to give you some encouragement in that. I want to give you some examples of the fact that you're not walking alone in that. Um, because the reality is, right, God is never late. But he does delay. Right? And so today I want to just, I want to zero in on, um, for some of you it will be an incredibly familiar passage of Scripture and for some of you, maybe it's the first time you've ever heard it. 
And so if you've heard this before, my, my request to you would be that you would, would graciously hold on and let me remind you. Right? The apostle Peter wrote that he took all sorts of joy and pleasure in reminding people of bringing them back to things that they've already heard. So if you're in that boat, let me take joy in reminding you of something this morning. And if you've never heard this story, then buckle up because this one's pretty awesome. So God's never late, right? Does everybody pretty much agree with that? But he does delay. Which means that sometimes our experience of him, right, the timing seems disconnected. If God's never late, but sometimes it seems like we're, we're waiting, it would seem like there's some sort of a disconnect in that. And, and this isn't just, you know, us. Right, because I think if we took time, probably everybody's got some sort of a testimony that would, would talk to that. But the reality is, right, this is all throughout Scripture, right, of God delaying. Right, you think about Joseph, right, back, all the way back in, the, in Genesis. He gets thrown into prison, right? He helps a couple of other guys out, the, the cupbearer and the baker for, the, for, the, for Pharaoh. He helps them out, and they get released, and he's like, guys... Listen, when you get out of here, put in a good word for me. And they say, yes, we'll put in a good word for you. Right? And it says that they forgot. And Joseph ended up waiting two years. His, his release was delayed two years because of that. It doesn't say God ever left him. It just says that it, he was delayed two years. Right, David... And depending on which, you know, commentary you look at, he was anointed to be king by the prophet Samuel, God's uh, mouthpiece on earth. He was anointed, right, to be king when he's a, a relatively young boy, right, probably sometime between the age of 10 and 15. And he doesn't become king until he's 30 years old. You talk about delay, right? How many of you have stood in, in, a place, in that place for 15 years? Right? And some of you maybe longer, right? but 15 years. And it wasn't like, um, you know, God's so gracious to us, uh, a group of men that met together uh, yesterday. And Greg Chandler shared this story about how David had multiple opportunities, right, to take that, to seize what was his, what God had said would be his, Right? He's in the cave with Saul. Saul can't see him. He's, he's there. He's got an opportunity to kill him. And he doesn't. He's, he, he waits on God's timing. Right? He's got other opportunities along the way. But 15 years knowing, right? it wasn't something he was hoping for. It wasn't something he had even asked for. 15 years he waited in this place of delay for God's perfect timing for him to become king. Think about Abraham as he's taking the, his beloved son Isaac up the mountain, uh, right? believing one of two things are going to happen, that either God's going to provide an alternative, a way out, or God's, it says in Hebrews, that in Abraham's mind, he had already reconciled that, that Isaac was dead and that if he was really the child of promise that God could resurrect him. Do you think he was in the place of looking around, God, right now would be a great time for you to provide some sort of an alternative, right? 
And every moment, every step up that mountain, building that altar, right, getting ready to do what he was going to do. And at the very last minute, right, you talk about the 11th hour and the 59th minute, right, God shows up. He wasn't late. I bet if you asked Abraham, he might have had a little different perspective on that. But he believed, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And just one last one, because I'm not going to land in any of those places today. You know, even the disciples, after Jesus was um, crucified and, and resurrected, right, he spends time with them. And what does he do right before he ascends? In Acts 1, it says that he told them, right, to go to Jerusalem and to do what? Wait. If you look at that word in the original, you know what it means? Terry, to delay. Go and delay yourselves. They were locked and loaded as far as they were concerned. Right? They had a testimony. They had seen Christ. They had spent time with him. They had watched him be crucified. They had watched him be put in the tomb. They had talked with him after he had been resurrected. What more could they possibly have needed before they started going out to share that gospel? From their perspective, we're good to go. Turn us loose. And Jesus said, no, I want you to go and wait. I want you to delay. Why? Because he knew the end from the beginning. He knew that they were still missing one part, right? The Holy Spirit. So they stay, they listen. And he pours out his spirit. And we're all here today because of that. So what I want to do is, is to, to camp out a little bit. Um, so if you've got a Bible, if you're, um, is in John 11, like I said, this is, is probably going to be a pretty familiar passage of Scripture to, to many of us. Because this, I think, is one of the most profound examples of the delay of God, of his timing being perfect, even when it was utterly painful for the people who were experiencing the delay, the di- that little bit of disconnect that we feel. But the principles that, that I want to try and pull out today um, apply. If you take, if you take the, the, the principles from today and you look back at any of those stories I just mentioned, they'll line up. It's funny how God does that. So I'm going to read this. This is a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture, but I, want to, I think it's important to, to read through. So this is the story about the death of Lazarus. So just in case this doesn't sound exactly like what you've got in front of you, this is the, the NIV version. So. It says, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha, and her sister, and Lazarus. 
Yet when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the Jews there tried to stone you, and yet you're going back there? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours of daylight? A man who walks by day will not stumble, for he sees by this world's light. If it is when he walks by night, then he stumbles, for he has no light. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. His disciples replied, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get better. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I'm glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Then Thomas, called Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, Let us also go, that we may die with him. And on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord Martha said to Jesus, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. And Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection. and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she went to him Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house, comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her, Also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? And Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across its entrance. Take the stone away, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there, will, there is a bad odor, for he has been in there for four days. Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I knew, or I thank you, that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. 
When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Therefore, many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did put their faith in him. So I, I, I want to go through uh, just a, a, a little bit, and like I said, kind of pull this apart. If you, if you go back to the beginning here, it's, it's pretty clear in verse 3. Mary and Martha knew exactly what they needed. Right? Right? Lazarus is sick, and what do they do? They send word for, for help to the one person who could really help him. And, and, if you, and if you look at where this story sits in the rest of the Gospels, they had already seen him do this kind of stuff. Certainly they had heard about him having done this kind of stuff. They knew what the answer was. But look in verse 4, and this is, this, this is going to come up throughout the rest of this passage, right? Word gets to Jesus. Mary and Martha know that they need Jesus, right? It's a, it's a, it's a picture of prayer, right? They send word, right? The same way that we do, right? We're in need. We send word. Lord, I need help. And it gets through, right? The message isn't lost along the way. Their message gets to his ears, But look at what Jesus said. This sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. If you don't hear any other thing that I say the rest of the the time that we've got together today, hear this. Our God knows the end from the beginning. Wherever he's got you right now, whatever situation you're in, whatever your need that you're sending messages out, he knows the end from the beginning. He has good plans for you. His heart is for you. And so if you can't see around the bend, know that he can. Our God knows the end from the beginning. And yet, in verse 6, when he, heard was La- when, when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was. Not hours. Two days. Now, he could have made that trip right away. And the reality is, he didn't even need to make the trip to do what they were asking him to do. 
I'm not going there, but you remember the story about the centurion, right, who had a servant who was sick, and he sent word, and he said, Lord, I don't even need you in my house. I know that if you say the word, it'll be done. Right, what Mary and Martha were asking for was, Lord, come. The reality was, he had already proved that he didn't need to even be there to accomplish what they were looking for him to accomplish. And yet he stayed where he was for two more days. Principle number one, the delay of God is a deliberate work. When we experience delays, and we can expect delays, it's deliberate. He does it on purpose. Not for his benefit, for our benefit. If you're in the middle of something that's not going as quickly as you want it to go, he's not just messing with you. It's on purpose, though. When we relocated, we had to sell our house. Up here, it seems like houses sell like in minutes, right? When we sold our house, it took exactly, we had a six-month contract with our realtor. You know how long it took to sell our house? Six months to the day. That whole time, Jules and the kids were living in Elmira. I was living with my in-laws and commuting back and forth three and a half hours. Every Friday, I'd drive down. Every Sunday, I'd come back, work all week. That felt very long. But do you know what it did? It built our faith. It's always on purpose. It's always on purpose. Down in verse 11, after he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going there to wake him up. Not I'm going to try. Not we're going to give this a whirl. I know the end from the beginning, guys. Let's go. And I love it because so often we think that we're smarter than these 12 guys were. Like, oh yeah, I know what's coming. And they're thinking, well, Lord, you said he's just sleeping, right? Which was actually the, culturally, that was the term. That's how they referred to, to death. That was a pretty common thing. These guys actually thought, no, Lazarus is sleeping. And so I love verse 14. So he told them plainly, guys, Lazarus is dead. And I'm going to go wake him up. Because I know know how this ends. But here's the second idea, right? The delay of God is a dying work, right? It's deliberate. It's designed for us, right? That delay process is part of us dying to self, right? So that our life 
fades into the background and the life of Christ starts coming forth in us. Right? He intentionally waited till Lazarus was not just asleep and not just sick, but was good. And as his sisters say later on, he was good and stinking dead. It's on purpose, guys. He's got you where he's got you in that place of delay for good reason. And I would venture to guess he's looking for something in you that's fighting against him to die. So he finally gets there, right? On his arrival, he gets there. And Lazarus has been not just sick, but he's been in the tomb four days. You don't put a sick man in a tomb, you put a dead man in a tomb. So he's been dead four days. And Martha comes out, the same Martha who had occupied herself in the kitchen rather than sitting at his feet, comes out, comes running as soon as she hears that he's even approaching the town. Martha comes out to meet him. and confronts him. If you had been here, my brother would not have died, which is probably true. I think she's got a legitimate beef. Again, they'd seen this. They'd heard stories about what God was doing. And Jesus said to her, Martha, I know the end from the beginning. Look at what he says in verse 27. Your brother will rise again. He didn't have any doubt because he knows the end from the beginning. And he draws her, he starts a conversation with her. She says, no, I get it. If you ever said that to God, no, I get it. And Jesus said, no. She says, I I, I know at the last days in the resurrection, he'll rise again. Jesus said, no, you don't get it. I am the resurrection. This isn't some theological concept that's afar off for some day that you can hope for. He's saying, I'm that. New life. That's me. And he draws her into this kind of deepening in their relationship, right? That I'm the resurrection and the life. He whoever believes in me, even though he dies and whoever lives, or even though he dies will live. Whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And he asks her, do you believe this? The delay of God is a drawing work. He's drawing her into deeper relationship, right? And drawing her into a deeper understanding than she had of what it meant about resurrection. That it wasn't some far off thing, that it was him, it was Jesus himself. And he says, do you believe this? 
and look at her response. I do. I believe that you're the Christ, the Son of God who's come into the world. That drawing work, that deliberate work of God, that dying work of God. Lazarus is still dead. At this point, Lazarus is still dead. But the delay of God becomes a declaring work. She declares the truth of who he is. I believe that you're the Christ, that you are every bit who you say you are. And she leaves, right, with a sense of peace. What started as a confrontation, Lord, if you had been here, can you see her just desperate? Lord, I know that you're the answer. If you had been here, we would be in a completely different spot by now. And he says, yeah, you're right. You probably would have. But he draws her deeper. Just a couple of more here, and then I'll wrap up. We talked a little bit about this the other night at our small group. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Why in the world would he do that? He knows the end from the beginning. He knows this isn't going to end in death. He knows that this is about to get really awesome really fast. And yet he wept. Because you know why? Because in the middle of delay, in the middle of that deliberate work, he is more than willing to walk through that with us. He doesn't leave us. He's walking through that with us, right in the middle. Whatever your delay is right now, it's intentional, but that doesn't mean he's left you alone. And he wept with them. Why? Because they were weeping. Scripture says, right, mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. Right? Jesus wasn't above that. He was that. And he entered in with them. And the people kind of get it, right? Could he not have opened this man who opened the eyes of the blind, couldn't he have done something more about this? And then because he knows the end from the beginning, right, he tells him to take away the stone. And I love this prayer because he does this a couple of places throughout the Gospels. He looks up and he says, Father, thank you that you've heard me. I already knew that you always hear me. I'm only saying this out loud so that all of these people who are here know what's going on. And he calls Lazarus out. And it gets awesome. If you think about this, if he had just healed Lazarus, it would have been one more healing, right? Which there had been hundreds of, thousands of, But look at verse 45. All of these people had come to comfort Mary and Martha. And they watched him do this. And he did something 
deeper and bigger. And many of the Jews who had come to visit saw what Jesus did, put their faith in him. That we never know exactly what, but that delay of God is absolutely a deepening work. That he's doing something deeper than we realize. And so I'm going to ask Corey and the, and the worship team if they'd come up. But as they do, I want to leave you with this. Okay. If you're in that place today, and many of you, when I asked you earlier, nodded your heads or right, somehow signaled that, you, that that seemed to resonate. If you're in that place today where you know that you need God, and maybe even in a really desperate way, and he seems to be taking his time in answering that, I want you to take heart. Because here's what I know that I know that I know. Is our God knows the end from the beginning. He knows what he's doing and he knows what he's about to do even when we don't. And if he's got you in that place, it is absolutely for a reason. It's on purpose. I'm going to leave you with this. Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, They that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. That word wait is so important for us to hear in those times of delay when God seems to be taking his time. That's a picture of, of intertwining, of twisting something together in a manner so that it can't be undone. And so if you're in that place, my question to you is, how are you waiting today? waiting? Are you waiting? How are you waiting? Because he's there. Right? He hasn't gone away. He's in the waiting. He's directing the waiting. Okay? Intertwine your life with his. Right? Because he knows the end from the beginning. close us in prayer and I'm going to pray for you. If you need uh, extra prayer today, I'd like to invite the elders there here forward to the front along with uh, Jay if he's available. And uh, there will be someone to pray with you as you are in a time of waiting. So if the elders can make their way to the front. And I'm going to pray for all of you. Heavenly Father, thank you for the anointed word today. Lord, each of us located ourselves at a different point in the journey, a different part of the path between where Jesus heard the news 
to where he raised Lazarus to life. Somewhere along that map we find ourselves. Pray this morning you would minister to us, God, that you would let these reminders of your love and presence sink in. That you have not forsaken us. That you have not forgotten us. That you are doing a work in us that we can't even understand the value of, but you see it and you know what's best. Help us to live in that faith, to follow you, believing in your goodness and knowing your care and love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed. I want to be the church.